there's some people that come to me and they don't have that goal. They have another goal. Um, and people that reach their goal are the ones that are committed and will stay consistent and to learn what they have to learn to be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Um, there's a saying, uh, Les Brown, and he says, you must be willing to do the things today others won't do in order to have the things tomorrow others won't have. Everybody has 24 hours in a day, and it's really a matter of what we do with it. So uh, start with goal setting. I start all of my clients with goal setting. But it's not just goal setting around I want this house and I want this much money. It's about who you're becoming. Who do you need to be to make that million dollars? Jim Rohn says, don't make it a goal to make a million dollars because of the money, but because of who you'll become. Before we get started today, I would be remiss if I did not thank our partners over at Proper Creative. Proper Creative is a production on demand company and they monetize e-commerce platforms. They have a marketing powerhouse team from graphic designers, web development, photographers, videographers, market analysis, digital marketing strategists, and of course, social media experts. They help companies from development of content and products to the execution of digital strategies for e-commerce. They provide both full service and a la carte services for businesses that sell direct to the consumers. For me today, I am wearing a proper creative branded shirt. This is the Level Up Podcast shirt. You can get it. And uh, this is something that we send to all of our guests that come on our show. Our partners send them a gift package, and it's brought to you by Proper Creative. Thank you so much. You can follow them on social media, Instagram primarily, at P-R-O-P-R Creative. Again, they're an L.A.-based company, so they do things a little bit cooler than most. They spell proper, P-R-O-P-R Creative. Follow them on social media, Instagram, and give a shout-out. Thank you so much, again, to our brand partners, Proper Creative. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I'm Matt Rogers, your host. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Eli Adelman. Oh, hey. Hey. Like, what? You sound like I caught you off guard. No, it was a good one. The the right-hand man. Eli Adelman. That was good, man. I, it just came to it me. Was creative. I'm a lyrical genius. I'm <laughs> like the chubby Eminem. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I'm saying? That's good, man. You feel good today? Dude, I'm so good today. We had, we had really a good weekend. We did have a good weekend. All kinds we, of good stuff happening. We had a prosperous weekend. Yeah, we uh, baptized kids in the pool, and some kids gave their heart to the Lord. And so good, it's cool. Anytime yeah. we could work with youth, and like that light goes on, like wow, right? They, like you know, God's real, and I can talk to him. He's not just like way up there, and I'm right. down here. Yeah, dude, it was good. Uh, and Dean Sykes, man, he was over at your house. Dean Sykes. He's episode what, like one twelve or something? Uh, let me look. Dean Sykes. Uh, he was a he was one of our past guests. Dean Sykes is the man. He specializes in you know like teen suicide and stuff. So if you're a parent, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to our Dean Sykes episode. Yeah, uh, that one's doing well. And then the podcast overall, we're doing great, dude. Since your wife has been on, yeah, we've taken exploded, Terry. She's killing it. Terror Bear? Terror Bears. You know why? And and this will be a good intro to our guest today is that people want real. Like, it's cool to have big celebrities and big names, which we do. We've been blessed with unbelievable guests. But like all of us, we want the real story. Like, it almost, 
you kind of don't really care about the name of who the person is. You want to hear their story and say, well, how can that story help me? Right. Which is what Level Up is all about. Oh, baby. Which is why we brought you this guest today. Of course, met her through our man Rex Crane. Rex always has a Rolodex of just beasts. Yeah. Whether it's business, life coaches, uh, ministers, celebrities, uplifting. This lady, uh, she's been on the Dr. Phil show as well as Chelsea Handler show. She is a financial expert. So male and female, listen up because she can really help you. And people pay a lot of money for her time. And I'm going to try to get like tips for free for you guys today because you didn't pay to be here but she's coming on. So let's see what we can get from her. So uh, the one and only Michelle Tasco is in the house. How are you? I'm good. So glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here. I love your backdrop. You're looking fresh today. How do you feel? I feel amazing. I feel amazing. You should feel amazing. It sounds like yeah. you have an amazing life. I mean, you're helping your clients pay off I mean, tens of thousands of dollars. You're helping them get debt free. You're helping them get five figure raises. Is that true? Yeah, it's so true. Like, I mean, I I've had like a it. yeah, like a five thousand dollar raise or like a nine thousand dollar, but five figure raises. I mean, we're talking about twenty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar raises. Yes. And then, I mean, you also help them double, triple their money in their bank account. You help them buy their first home. You help them buy their first investment property, and you ultimately help them become debt free. Is that right? It's, it's true. Yes. I've okay. been doing this for 12 years and the amount of, of results that my clients are achieving is phenomenal. How, like, so how do you know, like, how do you know they're achieving results? What do they say? Because I see their bank accounts. I mean, I mean, your bank account is really like your underboard drawer, right? You don't want anybody else to see it, but because we work so intimately and because I need to see what's actually happening. I also see when things are moving in the right direction. And so there, there is nothing to hide. So do you have any like personal stories from clients that they tell you like all the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got this one, this text this morning. I was like, ah, oh, such great timing. I was working with this client last year and she said, Michelle, I'm so excited to share with you that I just closed on a house two weeks ago. I also got a new car. So funny. I got rid of my Range Rover and got a Toyota 4Runner, which is more affordable, lower interest, and actually nicer than a Range and a new puppy. And I still have a good chunk of money in savings. I think a year ago, my credit was lower. Living paycheck to paycheck with no savings. Wow. I could not have done this without your help and guidance. They wanted to say, thank you, all caps. <laughs> it was truly life-changing. And, you know, this is a VP at a, a nationwide asset management company. So they manage real estate all over the country. And you just, you think that people that uh, have the big title and the big office do are doing well financially. It may look good on paper, but when you really see someone's bank account, you really see what's going on. So that's what I help my clients do, get things now, back on track. It's absolutely true. An, an old CPA that I had before, he was great, and he would help me, and he would do all these things, but he would say, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm really good at telling people what to do. He goes, but I'm terrible at doing it myself. It's crazy, <laughs> right. right? I mean, for have sure. you always been like this? Have you had a knack for finances? Like, were you born and raised like, hey, your parents taught you how to manage money? Like, how do you become this? Because it's not like you're just helping um, you know, the common folk, even though you do, 
You have client, you have VPs of companies, you have celebrities, you have political uh, people that you advise that we would know their names very well. I don't want to, you know, make you name drop, but we would all know some highly political people that she advises financially, which is a great thing because you're also a woman of God, which we will get into all of that. Your story is amazing. <laughs> but were you born and raised like this on how to manage money? No, absolutely not. And I think that's actually the beauty of it. It's because when you know life without, you know what life can be with, and then you follow the steps to actually make sure that you're stewarding whatever it is that you're given, right? If you're faithful to be ruler over much. And for myself, I ended up with four credit cards in the collections and my car was repossessed. So how's that as a start as as a financial life coach with my USC education, (laughs) mind you, but they don't really teach you finances in school, you know? So it's not taught around the dinner table. It's not taught in the classroom. So I had to learn it myself. So does it frustrate you like it does me? Because we've been kind of talking about that for 20 years and we still haven't made it any changes at all. They still don't teach it in school. We still don't talk about it around the dinner table and we still have the same problems, if not worse. Are you seeing that too? I do. And, but you know, when you think about if our government is trillions of dollars in debt, then that is really, um, I'll say what we're influenced by. We're influenced by uh, those that are above us that are in power. And if if the objective and the focus isn't to get out of debt, even in our in our economy, then why would that be something that uh, is a focal point in just regular people's households? And it's not. It's the keeping up with the Joneses. It is. I have this thing, if you don't have a plan for your money, someone else will have a plan for your money for you. And it's to shop, it's to spend, it's to buy, you know, um, beyond what you're bringing in. And that's, that's what is normal. It's normal to have debt. It's normal to have student loans. Yeah. And that's, that's why I love talking with people like you that actually know what the heck they're talking about, because so many people, especially in today's economy, we rely on the government. We rely on the system. And I'm so against that that, I mean, it doesn't matter who you voted for. Of course, I voted for certain people. But look at dude, Bush put us in further debt. Obama put us in further debt. And Trump put us in further debt. It's like it's getting worse and worse and worse, whether it's a red or a blue candidate. And stop relying on the system, the government. Rely on yourself. Like, Give the, you know, use the gifts that God give has given you, whether you're a plumber or a CEO, right? I mean, you help all types of walks of life, right? Absolutely. And I think it was just, it's, it's sad because everyone's looking for when's that next stimulus check. And so now we're, we're hooked on when is the government going to give me more money? When's it, and, the, and the government owes me more money because of what's going on. Instead of for a handful of my clients, they've actually, transform their financial situation in this time, in this pandemic, because they took a skill, they saw an opportunity, they rolled up their sleeves and they got to work and they brought value into the marketplace. And when you bring value to the marketplace, the marketplace will pay you for the value, the level of value that you bring to the marketplace. Okay. So let me just ask you a question straight up. I'm just going to say this. I'm glad I'm not talking to another white male. I'm glad I'm talking 
to an Asian female. And the reason I say that is because has being an Asian female hurt you, helped you, or it doesn't matter because you have what God put inside of you. It doesn't matter what you look like or where you come from. Or is like, no, Matt, it actually has been harder for me because that is all we're hearing about right now. So let me know. Educate me. I mean that sincerely. Yeah. Um, I'd say that it, it personally, just in my experience, do I, do I have an emotional charge around what's happening? Absolutely. But in, personally, in my experience, I haven't seen that it's um, been a detriment to what I do. I think that what I find is I do have a lot of minority people reach me. So those, you know, people of color, um, because they don't feel comfortable with the white male person, there's a certain stigma. And, and I think too, um, people feel that they're, they're misunderstood. And so mm-hmm. there is this, um, I'll say disarming, and I, maybe it's just also my personality type. I, I tend to be sweeter than most. You so definitely are. <laughs> a, definitely good. And, you know, it's it's really about building relationship, building trust, building rapport. And that's really what I base coaching around. It is a long-term relationship. This is not just a transaction. This is a relationship. I want to see you get married. I want to see you buy your first house. I want to buy see you buy your fifth house if possible. We've bought five houses in the last 10 years. So I know if I can do it, someone else can do it as well. And um, I think it's really just about character. And, and that's probably why maybe for me, it's, it's been different with those that have, I'll say, found me and realized, right. no, I want to work with her. I think once people have the conversation, you can discern, I like that person or I don't like that person, regardless of who they are, what they look like, where they came from. I can know in 30 seconds whether I'm feeling this person or I'm not. And and it goes both ways. Like sometimes I meet people, I'm like, ugh, the world got better when they left the room. And then some people, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want you to leave. What can we do? Like, can we hang out? Can we party? Can we do a business together? Like, so you definitely have that. Like I could just tell by talking to you, even at the, over the computer, like you're comfortable. You're an easy hang. You make people feel good. Um, is it because of your background, like where you came from? Let's get into your personal story because where you're at right now, I mean, I know that that's not where you started, but I really want to take the listeners through where you started because you have an amazing story. And I would just tell people right now, turn your volume up, turn the distractions off and listen to Michelle Tasco right now, because her journey from where she was to where she is now is an inspiration to so many. So you were born where, and then just take me through it. Sure. I actually was born in Africa. I was born in a little town called Gambu near Lagos. And my parents left the Philippines when Marcos was in reign. He was a dictator. And they answered the same ad, funny enough. And they met in, you know how in Los Angeles, there's like a little Chinatown, a little Japan town, Korea town. Well, there's Apparently, a little Filipino town, you know, in Nigeria. So they <laughs> well, met I did there. Not know that. <laughs> That's awesome. And got married and had me. Yeah. That's, That's where so it great. started. And then when did you leave Africa? And then did you leave Africa to come to the USA? Yes. Yeah. You know, my when I, I, I so funny, flashing back to when I was in like third grade and I did a book report, you know, with mom and dad, like, how did we get here? 
And they were saying, you know, well, we always saw America as like, quote unquote, the land of green pastures and Elvis and like, anybody can be anything and do anything when you, you know, if you could just get there. And so they um, made the trek, they um, got their visa and did whatever it is that they needed to do to, to get here um, legally. And then from there, um, I remember just seeing my first snow. So from Africa to first snow in New Jersey. And then we went to, we landed in, I think it was like some, somewhere in Los Angeles, Lawndale or something. And then I started school when I was five. Five in USA didn't speak English or you did? I did. I okay, actually good. knew a little bit of French because Sesame Street was, was in French in, in Nigeria. Funny enough. <laughs> Say something in French. Ready, go. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you started at five years old and was it like, like, was it harder for you? Was it easy for you? Like, do you even remember? I remember a little bit. I remember we always had hand-me-down clothes. I mean, they were just starting out. My parents, I mean, God bless them. They're so amazing. My mom worked as um, a housekeeper um, at a major hotel chain. My dad did maintenance, even though they had degrees. They had bachelor's degrees. You know, my dad was actually a civil engineer. My mom is a med tech. But that's what they needed to do to just get jobs wow. here in order to be able to provide. And I remember because... My mom worked nights all my life just so that someone would be home with myself and my two sisters. And I remember the stories of like, they would use one car, drive to one of their works. We would sit in the car until they got done and then we'd go home. So they really bootstrapped it to make it here. See, and that's the stuff that fires me up because <sighs> I might get crucified for saying this, but I believe Unless you have a disability, and you can scold me and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Michelle. Unless you have a disability, I believe we're all born equal with the opportunity to become unequal. Regardless of our past, what we like, like your parents came from the Philippines to Africa to the USA, were more qualified than anybody, and they're working as a housekeeper and a tech in, in, a, in a hotel chain. And it's like, I got friends, I got family members that are, you know, sitting on their couch just like, well, life just ain't fair. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, get up, do something. You know what I mean? Like, right or, or wrong? A hundred percent. Because there's really two types of people. There are those that blame. They're blaming the government. They're blaming that, you know, their job doesn't pay them enough. They're blaming their spouse doesn't make enough money. They're blaming their parents never taught them X, Y, Z. And then those that are that claim, they're claiming their future, they're claiming the number in their bank account, they're claiming that they want to buy this house, and they're putting the effort behind it. So I totally agree with you. So you, uh, it sounds like you had a drive inside of you at a young age to be successful, to be, um, you know, almost from the outside looking in. Like, especially because I, I watched your story on the 700 Club, which was amazing. I highly recommend y'all go to the 700 Club and, you know, and search Michelle Tasco's story. It's unbelievable. So I'm kind of cheating on your story because I know it a little bit. But from the outside looking in, especially in your teen and your college years, it looked like you were the perfect individual, sorority, college, all that stuff, right? Tell me about that because... Then something happens to you, it gets a little bit ugly, and you had to overcome that as well. Go ahead. Yeah. So I 
I was a straight A student, honors, AP classes. I did all that you know you do. You're in you're in these clubs. You um, participate. You build your resume as you know you're taught. <laughs> nope. And so I did that, and um, I got to USC. Um, and then yes, an unfortunate thing happened that I was at. Um, there was this one person that I met, and he really wanted me to go out with him that night, and I did. And then all of a sudden, I can just tell you that, you know, in the in the movies where like the whole picture just turns black and then it's just, it's just dark. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and, you know, he was forcing himself on me. And then I realized I like stumbled out of bed. I went to the bathroom. I was splashing water on my face, trying to wake myself up. And then I realized what happened. I was in a compromised situation and in reality, I was being, I just experienced being raped. And that, and at that moment, it was like the light that I know that is in my eyes and in my heart, it just went dim. And I felt so lost and I felt so defiled and I felt so alone. Um, and of course he denied it, um, you but asked, I just could not take him? it off. You asked him? Yeah, I said, "What did we? What just happened?" He's like, "Oh, nothing happened." Yeah. Wait, you, this is you guys are still together. It's that moment, like after, or is yeah. this a couple well, days later? After I I go back into the room and I'm like, "What? What just happened?" And he denied the whole thing, like as if like nothing nothing was going on. And I just I I just said, "I need you to leave," and then I just I was you know like that that shock where you just don't know what's going on. Is this real? That's that was what happened right after so did you have too much to drink or were you not a big drinker and and this guy put something in your drink or do you not know i i think that he put something in my drink because there was at that moment he was really saying hey you know wanting me to finish this drink and i kid you not it was like we went to another location and the room the room like was like dark on the outside like in the movies i kid you not dark on the outside and then it was it just went like this and then i and then I could not remember anything at all. Blanked out. And I've never blanked out before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so do you realize, I mean, that's, God, that is terrible and scary at the same time. So you, so it happened. And then after it happened, you kind of come to, you go in the bathroom, you wash your face off, and then you come back and ask the guy like, hey, what did we just do? Yeah. And he even denied everything. Like, oh, nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. So, do you so I'm see thinking, am I crazy? That? What's going on? But I remember, and I, I healed because God's just good. So I can tell by the way life. you talk about it, you've healed. Yeah, yeah. And it's and and I want to say that I want to emphasize that I have healed because there are women that are walking around today with this pain, with this hurt, with this deep dark secret, and I really want to emphasize that you can, your past does not equal your future. In fact, everything can be a clean canvas and there can be, you can live life without that emotional charge where it's neutral, where it was an event, it happened, you've learned from it, you can use it for good to share with others so that they can get their healing, but it doesn't have a grip. It doesn't have to have a grip on you ever, so. 
I have so many questions I want to ask you <laughs> about this in this moment because it's so important. Yeah. First, you were doing everything right. And that was not even a mistake. It almost doesn't even sound like that was your fault, right? Especially if the guy put something in, in your drink. How do you not feel guilty? This is before you heal. Like, did you feel guilty? Like, did you feel like, oh, my oh, gosh, 100%. everything I was working for, yeah. I screwed up? Like, what? Yeah. I'll say that because, you know, even back then, like, I'll say my life was, was colorful. And, and I'll say that because, you know, Los Angeles is an interesting place. You can really get swept up with the wrong people. And all of a sudden, things that you didn't think you'd be doing, whether it's drugs or drinking or being promiscuous, um, you find that you slip up in one area and it really does open the door for more. And then it's like, oh, you know, just like debt. Oh, what's another thousand dollars on my credit cards? Do you know what I mean? Like you just like keep moving, moving that, um, that line. And so, uh, absolutely. I felt horrible because I know who I am on the inside and that was not what, how I was behaving on the outside. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, how can you, <clears throat> how can you help women? Because the majority of people that I talk, let's just say the, the majority of women that I've talked to that have had a similar experience, like, like you have had, they are not in the same mental place you are right now. They are not healed. They are still carrying guilt, shame, anger, unforgiveness, all of that, which in a way is, is justified because it wasn't their fault. So how do you tell them to get past that? Because at the end of the day, it is only hurting them, but it's easy for someone like me to say, oh, well, you got to push through. You gotta do that. I've never experienced it, but you have. So I would love to you know, elevate your voice to them to help them because I know that I can't because I don't have that experience, but you can. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing that is, is just even just in this moment dropping in my spirit is that you don't want to let that event, that moment, that one moment, whether it was five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, five hours, however long, you don't want to have that moment rob you of the rest of your life all the thousands of future moments that you can have and who you really are. And I'd say that the first thing that I did was forgive myself. And forgiveness isn't a one-time event. There's layers like an onion, right? You can cut an onion from the top to bottom and, 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 and there's tears. And sometimes you've got to do it one layer at a time, but it is a, uh, I'll say relentless, committed action of continuing to figure, forgive yourself until you feel like the seas are starting to calm. Because prior to that, it's this raging like storm inside that you just don't know how to um, how to find some peace, really. And I think the hardest next step is to forgive the person that was your perpetrator. That is a huge one. How mm -hmm. do you forgive the person who's the perpetrator, even when you don't confront them? Because I'm assuming you didn't see the guy again, right? Or did you? No, I didn't see the guy again. Um, but you know, if you believe in God, God sets things up in, in interesting ways. And when you're ready, he's ready. 
He's a gentleman. He would never beat down the door. He just says, when you're ready, I'm ready. And I remember I was actually at a personal development event and there was somebody that looked exactly like him. I kid you not. And, and the speaker situated an experience where he stood in front of me and I forgave him. Did that have to happen for everyone? No, but in my situation, things in, you know, were orchestrated so that could happen. And it was hard, but then the freedom, the freedom that you feel after that is worth it. Just like when, you know, when you think about when you're giving birth, it's a little bit of pain for a lifetime of pleasure for a lifetime of beauty. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing here. Anytime that you're, you're birthing something, whether it's yourself or new life, you've got to go through a little bit of pain to get the beauty on the other side. Did you, did the speaker know that that's one thing you had to do is forgive and he set that up or did it just happen? I mentioned, I'm, and you know what, <laughs> God's so good. This happened um, during um, our honeymoon, my husband and my honeymoon. We actually Holy did a personal smokes. development event because I'm, I'm into like, I'm going to build myself up, but I'm going to, if I'm going to start a new life with somebody, I'd want to be in an environment where we're growing together, starting life out together. And then of course we did the whole Aruba and fun part, but let, like, I'll say going to the next level and and pouring into myself and and um, I'll say making an investment in myself and my own personal growth is important to me. And and that may be another clue as to uh, moving forward in life in, in the different areas that you want to grow in and heal from. So here's one thing that I've noticed doing the show, Eli, talking to guests. First of all, the incredible tragic thing and sad thing is I would say roughly 30% of the guests that we've had on the show have experienced some sort of sexual abuse, yep. which is absolutely terrible from my wife to even Dean Sykes, a yeah. male yep. that experienced from another male. And you know, Dean wasn't gay. You right. know what I mean? Like right. it just, that is just gut wrenching in itself. But the one thing I've learned from doing the show is the people who admit it and tell people, I don't want to say admit it, but at, tell people, bring it out, bring it to the light. This happened to me, but it's not who I am. Those are the ones I've noticed that get healed. Right. Right? I mean, that's, right. and, I, and I asked the instructor bring it up because you obviously told people. Is that hard to do? At first, yes. Because, you know, we all question, like, how could this happen to me? Um, and why me? Um, and what did I attract, right? Um, but then when you realize, when you speak it out, it's kind of like it loses, it loses its power when you say it. And then the more that you share, then you shift from being disempowered to being empowered because then you realize that there's a community out there. There's people that, you know, it's so funny. I was at church and, and we connected with different people in the women's group. And when, and when I shared what happened to me, other women, you know, would sidebar and like find me after and say, Hey, that happened to me too. Like real quiet, like as if it was a secret. 
but they're wanting to say something. They want to be able to, to, to not keep this to themselves. So that tells me that everyone really in their heart of their hearts, if I were to call them out and say like, truth be told, you really do want to share this. You just don't know how and who to, to share it with. I think that's really, you know, um, the turning point. And that's, that's the, mm, the seed. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you have any idea where that guy is now or what happened to him? He was some producer, some music producer in Los Angeles. I have no idea, no. So, but I wish him well. I still, even to this day, the first thing that comes to mind when you, when, uh, even with you just asking me, I'm like, yeah, I just wish him well. I wish him well. That's crazy because it just, and the reason I bring that up is you're walking in freedom. I don't know this guy, but I, I highly doubt he has the freedom you have. He might have the glitz and glamour on the outside. I mean, music producer sounds so awesome. Music producer in LA, like, wow, that's so many people's dreams. But at the end of the day, when you don't come out with it, like you said, you don't forgive yourself or you keep that, you know, a, he, high the and probability might still be doing it and be the dude's probably miserable people who do that stuff are miserable unfortunately and the fact that you can forgive yourself and forgive him and then just i'll say this here and then we'll move on but how do you forgive him so for the people who are listening like how do they forgive the person that harmed them mm, that's such a good question um I think about, you know, when, when there is this experience of a sexual assault, I mean, there is a soul tie that gets created, right? Because you connect with somebody with, you know, without your consent. And so I see that forgiveness is forgiving that person is a way to cut soul ties. It's like a must. And it allows you to also not hold on to something that um that is this this weight that you have all the reason to let go of and so when you can in life coaching i'll share with a lot of my clients that we're in charge of what we make things mean and i bring this up because you can take a situation and you can make it mean something good or you can keep it small and make it mean something that's detrimental that, that will transform your identity, transform how you show up in front of people, transform how you behave, transform your story. And when you realize that, wait a minute, I'm in charge of making that mean something that will empower me for the future. I think that's the catalyst for turning something totally around and then giving yourself the empowerment to forgive, let go, release so that you can be free yourself. So I've never thought about it that way. So it's like that happens to you and now it's attached to you and you forgiving them is your way of getting it unattached to you and letting it go. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. It's taught me something new today, Michelle. You're so awesome. You're so welcome. <laughs> so, so after that, did, I mean, did things get worse for you? Things get better. How old were you when that happened? And then where did you go from there? Yeah. So that happened when I was 25. And then um, from there, um, I'll just say one thing led to another, and then I moved back home. And there's nothing wrong with moving back home. I think that that purposely happened so I could just reset and then dive into 
journaling. <laughs> I just okay. finished one journal. I started another one. Journal number 34 since 2005. Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> journal number four since 2005. See, I need to get my game Thir- up. 34. 34. I started, what did I say, four? Four, yeah. Uh, the, reason, the, the reason I said four, she's on 34 from 2005. I'm on four from 2009. So I need to step my game up, right? Dude, Yeah. journaling. Uh, that's, and it helps so much. I highly recommend everyone journaling because then you look back on yourself and you realize what you went through and it encourages you now to be like, thank God. God, I'm not in that hell anymore because things do get better. So you start journaling and then what happens? I start journaling and I had this experience. I didn't know God at the time, just so you know. So this is prior to knowing God. Started journaling. Wait a minute. So you forgave and journaled all that stuff without knowing God? Yeah. Because, you know, personal development, you listen to different speakers and they say journal. I'm like, okay. And I remember listening to Jim Rohn, how to, how to write a journal. And I didn't know that Jim Rohn, you know, he's one of the godfathers of personal development and motivational speaking, but he has a Christian background. So it was just these little seeds, this little seeds in his audios um, that got me on the road to realizing, okay, there must be a God and he must be real. I mean, I grew up Catholic, but like there just was no relationship. God was not alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. It was a start, but, um, in that moment, I was journaling, just writing things out. And I was in my old bedroom. And then I, I felt like I called it spirit. Now I know it's the Holy Spirit. But it was like, trust me. And it was like, words were just flowing. I didn't know where it came from. But words were flowing. And I'm writing this down. And I'm reading it. And it was like, I'm given this other opportunity to trust something bigger than me. I, mean, I thought it was the universe, you know, because it's easy to, to think I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. from there, then that launched me into going into my first personal development seminar called First Steps to Success with Danny Johnson. And, you know, that's at that event, which was a business seminar. That's where I gave my life to Christ because she did this um, evening called Spiritual Equipping. And she just opened the Bible. And this is a businesswoman. And she says, everything that I taught you so far is from this book and it was a Bible and I was pretty shocked. And then from there, it was an altar call. Like if you want to know the God that I, I serve, you know, come up. And it's like, I couldn't get up there fast enough Wow! because there was something that she had that I wanted. There was this freedom, this like aliveness, this uh, confidence. So that's so what happened? Started. What'd you do? You went up to the altar, like really walk me through it. Like what happened at the altar? Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, in that event, um, gosh, it was like 2005 in that event, there was like hundreds of people. And, and before you know it, there's, we're all standing in front and, sh- and we're, we're, um, just giving our lives to the Lord. We're staying the prayer, the sinner's prayer. And then we're each being handled Bibles. And then, um, at that point, like, I just felt like, uh, I can, I can start again. Like, you know, there's that, that scripture, like, you know, things were crimson and now it's white as snow. I, I felt that reset. I felt that blank canvas. Awesome. It's real. 
It's real, Eli. Yeah. And I love how, like, you know, you had religion before, and then at that moment you had a relationship, which is the game changer. Yeah. I post about it. I talk about that all the time. There's a difference between religion and relationship. Um, religion does everything you can to try to get you into heaven. Relationship gets heaven back into you. You've, mm. how has it oh, been? So, so good. How did that happen? So after that moment, how did your life start to change? Well, it's so funny. I went to the next level of that event, and that's where I met my husband. He actually greeted me at the door. He worked <laughs> no for way. her company. Really? Like when you walked yes. in, like were, were you kind of like, oh, he's cute? And she was like, oh, hey, like, did you guys flirt at all? Or was it just like, yes. no, like it was just like we smiled. And I kid you not, I walked past him and I heard the Lord say he's the one. No, but that's weird. So weird. <laughs> and then he he felt something with me because then um, he asked like the sound guys, like, who's that? And he's like, oh, that's Michelle Lavina. That's my maiden name. And so it's just a wild, wild experience. Yeah. Tasco does not sound Filipino. No. <laughs> Where's Tasco from? Um, my husband, his background is um, Creole and um so that's on his dad's side. And then his mom is Nicaraguan. So we make pretty cute babies. Basically. Yes, you do. <laughs> beautiful family. Beautiful babies. Okay. So Holy Spirit whisper. I think you have a baby behind you. Look over your left shoulder. <gasps> yeah, look at that. Baby girl. Lift her up. Can we see her? Yeah. She just oh, woke up. God bless Hi. her. Look at I know. Leilani with her bed head. God bless you. Hi. Michelle <laughs> is on the West Coast right now. We're Central Time, so it's yes, literally it's uh, early. Yeah. I don't know where my nanny is either. But it's funny it's too because two two hours ago, my daughter woke up, and now her daughter's waking up. So we essentially yeah. wake up at the I'm same time. Yeah, yeah. Look at her. She's no, 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 no! The one with the bunny game. Oh yeah, the one with the bunny game. Yeah. My daughter knows my my. Uh, Phone better than I do. Oh, I like yeah. This one. Give yeah. Le hey, give Leilani the bunny game. Okay. You can go and find Daddy. He's downstairs. <laughs> can I take a break real quick? Yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll and, and drop her. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So you meet your husband. The Holy Spirit tells you that's your husband. Um, like, did you say, like, hey, God just told me we're supposed to be together? Or like, <laughs> did that play out itself? How did, what happened at that event? No, not at all. Um, I really, now that I met my husband, believe in like soulmates, we were like magnets. We just would kept passing each other and it was just electric. And I'm like, gosh, what's, what is this? What's going on here? <laughs> anyway, so at the end, um, again, before just, just getting to know God, but I, I passed him a piece of paper and I had just looked up what my name meant and which is Michelle, who is like the Lord. And then I put my email on there and I just wanted to keep in touch with them. So we just texted back and forth and emailed. Um, I actually told them, we'll see how long you last. It's just Whoa. easy to date in Los Angeles. So. Wait, where, where, so you're located in LA. Where's he located? He is in Northern California. So that's, this is long distance yeah. for sure. This is long distance. Yeah. So when you say we'll yeah. see how long you last, uh, does that mean we're dating now and we'll see how long you last? Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll just see how, where this goes. There wasn't even like dating yet. It was just talking. So yeah. Got it. Like <laughs> cute little flirting. I got you. 
Yeah. And then uh, how long did you guys date for before you got married? Uh, about almost three years. Long distance. Really? Yeah. So like what? You'd see each other like twice a month, once a month or what? Mm, yeah, every other month. Oh, snap. I know. Was it hard? We, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, we look back and we always say to each other, we could have gotten married a lot sooner, but God was working on each of us. Mm-hmm. And it's better when you're two whole people coming together than like a fraction of yourself. And so I just trust God's timing on that. But yeah. When did you tell your husband what happened to you from the other guy? Oh, uh, so I'm glad you asked this because I think it's so important to be transparent with someone that you connect with. But and I scary. remember before so we got scary. married. What was that? So scary to do though. Yeah. But before we got married, um, I said, you know, if you, I, I, I just needed to tell you everything. I, I am a firm believer of just laying it on the table. And if he's going to love me, he's going to love me for all that I am and everything I've been through and all that I can be. Right. And so I sat on his lap because I needed that, you know, closeness. And I just like, like That's a baby cool. and cool. this happened to me and I went through this and I like here and I did this thing and I did that thing. And it was all, when it was all done, he just hugged me and just said, I love you. <laughs> and it was done. Come on, dude. I want to cry. That's awesome. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for a couple dudes like you and me to be crying. Eli. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Dude. I love your husband. I want to be his friend. What's his name? <laughs> his name is Jeroboi. Jeroboi. Yeah, it's a Bible name. God will contend. He's pretty handsome, too. <laughs> I bet he is. That's awesome. So was he a man of God when you guys met? Yes. Yeah. He grew up in the church. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. And then you guys get married, and then is everything perfect after you get married and, you know, happy ever after? No, I, I wouldn't say so because we live on planet Earth, Matt. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Seriously. Last year, I broke my leg. I had a miscarriage. My daughter's going through this extreme eczema. And I'm still like hopping on the phone, coaching people that, you know, are, are well-known people and just getting it done. So, yeah. See, that's important because life happens to all of us. How do you decipher to what you let people know to keep you real. Like, Hey man, I lost a baby this year. Uh, I broke my leg. My daughter's battling extreme eczema versus constantly wearing that. Cause you don't want people to feel bad for you. And you don't want to be like this dark clouds. Like, Oh God, something's always wrong with Michelle. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, but at the same time you're going through stuff, but you all, I could just tell you live from a place of victory even if you're not experiencing victory currently. Yeah. I mean, it's our, out, it's our, it's our attitude, right? I love that, that poem by Charles Swindle that um, your, your attitude will make or break a corporation, a church, a home, right? And your out, attitude determines your altitude. And so for me, I've always seen it as, mm, it makes me real. Yes. But, it's how you, you talk about it. It, um, I'll say that 
being a victim has a certain tone and language, but walking victoriously also has a certain tone and language. And so the thing that's really dropping in, in my spirit right now is that you come from a place where life is not always just happening to me because that's victim. Life is happening for me because that's victory. And so when you operate from that place, then absolutely, you know, you become relatable because things happen to you, but you don't use that as manipulation because it's, it's an issue of the heart. You use that to say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going through things too. Cause some of my clients will say, Michelle, like, I always thought you were perfect. I'm like, there's no way I'm perfect. This happened, this happened, this happened. And then it makes it, it makes them feel like, okay, this is a real person too. And I say that because it, it being an issue of our heart, if you're trying to always put up a front, that's a heart issue. If you can be real and um, drive empowerment and motivation from it and inspiration and encouragement, then that's the, the language of someone that's victorious. Amen. She also just taught me a saying that I wrote down. I don't know if anyone's done this before. So like, it, you know, you, you can share it, but you don't want it to become your identity, right? So I wrote down, share it, don't wear it. You like that? Good. Has anyone ever done that before or is that new? Did we just make that up? I don't know. <coughs> share it, don't wear it. Boom. I'm going to make a t-shirt or maybe like, like a nice poster. There you go. I like that, Michelle. So tell me, so like you're at now, I mean, how do you get from all of that and what you're going through to you are a top business advisor, financial coach, life coach, we said in the beginning of the podcast, you're helping a lot of people do a lot of successful things. How do you get to that point and what makes you different than, you know, all of the other hundreds, thousands of life coaches and financial coaches out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that it's consistency. Um, and I, I don't like leave anything off the field. I put my heart into every single person I'm talking to and I truly want them to succeed because it sucks when nobody's cheering for you. You know what I mean? Sure. I remember being in junior high, just a story, because again, it's about what we make things mean. I remember being in junior high and, and my girlfriends thought it would be funny. I mean, yeah. I guess I thought it would be funny to pretend that I was invisible for two weeks. So I <laughs> wait, would oh walk. wait, they're wait, they're doing this to you behind your back. You don't know this? Yeah, I don't know about it. Oh, that's freaking I sucks. Say, hi. I no, hate stuff like that. Mean. They, they can be mean. I'd say hi, and they're like, oh, literally, this is what they say. Oh, did you hear something? Oh, that must have been the air. And then walk away. That's walk cool. away as if stuff. I was invisible. So I know how important it is for people to feel special, to feel important, to feel understood, to matter. It was actually the best gift that they gave me because they have the supersonic hearing and the supersonic uh, understanding and awareness of when people are in front of me, I'm honoring them. I'm loving on them. I am cheering them on, even in the background. And... I believe that that makes a difference because what I teach, it's not rocket science. It's math, right? Mm -hmm. You make this much, you spend this much. And, and sure, there's some strategies in there, and I'm not downplaying what I'm doing. But if somebody trusts you, they'll believe in you, and then they'll also begin to believe in themselves. Because it's easy to start things, but it's hard to finish things. 
But to get somebody to the finish line, to follow through, mm-hmm. that's because you have a relationship. Amen. And not only do they trust you, but they trust themselves to get to the other side. Are you, um, are you recreating the finish line every year, every month with your clients? How do you recreate the finish line? And how do you say, Hey, we got to the finish line. Like when's the victory <laughs> with your clients? Um, when the victory is always occurring because there's always new goals. Right. And, um, I teach my clients that you're really living from your future. There's a scripture that says that a man without a vision will perish. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to keep re-upping that vision because when you reach that, the goal that whatever it is that you set for yourself, if you're on this perpetual movement moving forward, then you need to set new goals or you get to set new goals in front of you so you can keep keep that momentum building. And then you realize, oh shoot, I got here. What if I could do this? What if I could do that? And then that also perpetually builds your self-belief. And so then you continue to, level up. <laughs> hey, there we go. Hey, let me, uh, let me ask you this. Cause I promised our viewers in the beginning, I would try to get free information out of you. Um, <laughs> if I make a hundred thousand dollars and my mortgage payment is 2,500 a month. Okay. And so let's say that takes me to $30,000. I'm left with 70, my other bills and everything. Let's just say are 20 grand. That leaves me with 50 grand. Uh, give or take, what what are we going to do? How are you going to help me? So my my nut to crack is, let's just say for math, my nut to crack is sure. 60 grand a year. I only make 100 grand a year. That gives me a net, you know, extra 40 grand. What do we do? Right. What would you tell We're me cool. to do? I would, I would um, one, pay off any debt because just because you have that much money in the bank doesn't mean you don't have debt. And I have found lots of people with lots of zeros carry a lot of debt. They're overextended and their money is costing them money. So the fastest thing that you could do is to pay off debt because you don't want to have that student loan with the big payment without the house because it's a mortgage payment and you don't have a house. It's just costing you money or even the credit cards, right? Um, So we would get rid of debt ASAP. The next thing we would do is we would put that money to work. I happen to like real estate. Most people like real estate because they get it. It's a house. Somebody's got to have a roof over their head. I'm either going to flip it or I'm going to hold it. And how can I get into a property that I can leverage? So someone else is either paying that down for me or I'm turning it into, I'm selling it so I can take that money and put it into more houses. So let me, so let me ask you a quick question in this example. I have 40 grand. Let's say I have $70,000 of debt. Are you taking that 40 grand? Is is rule number one, before we do anything else, pay off the debt? Yes. Yes. Because why? Because you'll never gain an interest off of a savings account. I mean, most like mainstream banks, you're getting like 0.1% interest, right? Maybe if you do like an, an, digital bank that's not brick and mortar, you'll get like maybe at most 2%. You'll never gain an interest with what you could save in interest rates off of your credit cards. Cause that's usually mm-hmm. like what in the twenties, twenties. Yeah. So you want to get out of that. You want to get out of that because, and I crunch numbers. I'm a, I'm a math girl. I love spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. I love numbers. Whenever I look at people's payments, 
whenever you make a minimum payment, it's always almost 55% of that minimum payment goes to interest. So that's what $45 of every hundred dollars is actually going to principal. That's a slow crawl. You're just giving that bank money. You know what I mean? Yep. What, um, couple questions here. Is my mortgage payment, which I have one, considered debt? Yes, it is debt, but it's also something that you're leveraging because hopefully your house is going to appreciate in value over time. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you've at at least refied because interest rates are really low right now so that it's not really costing you as much money. So then you're looking at like the efficiency of money. If I can borrow at this lower interest rate, but invest it here at a higher interest rate, so it's making money, more money than what it's costing me, then do that all day long. So are you good at finding those investments? In real estate, yes. In the stock market, I have people that I send my clients to. Okay, so now let's just say I've paid off my debt um, and I have $20,000. Can I take 20 grand and get in the real estate game? Because it doesn't seem like that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on where you buy. So I'll have clients that'll buy out of state Mm -hmm. and I'll connect them with certain investors that I know of. And yes, it's actually a, a nice chunk of money that you can put down somewhere it's not all of it because that's twenty thousand dollars, but it's something. So, I'll I'll just say that if you're asking the right questions, you're going to get the right answers. So even just that you're in this position where you're saying, "What can I do with this twenty thousand dollars?" Most people don't ask that question because they don't have the twenty thousand dollars to do anything with. Can I ask you a couple more questions before I let you go? Because I know you got to get sure. To your, yeah. Your okay. That's good. Um. Yeah. So. Grant Cardone, you know him? Yeah. Okay, he's he preaches the opposite of Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey preaches get out of debt. Grant Cardone says getting out of debt stupid. Use your debt to make money. Who's right? It's a mixture of both. Because the so many of my clients don't don't follow the Dave Ramsey route because you know when you live in Los Angeles you're never ever ever in a million years going to buy your house cash it just right. does not happen in LA but then again on the other side you don't want to have debt like credit cards the consumer debt you know that um, you're putting your groceries on you're putting your vacation on you're putting your what I call the expected but unexpected expenses when it's here your car registration Christmas uh, a vacation car repair that gets put on a credit card and you set it and forget it. And you're just paying them in payments, hoping that it'll go away, but you don't have a plan to pay it off. That type of debt you say no to, but leveraging debt as far as real estate all day long. Do you and your husband have a mortgage payment? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, going back to student loans, do you think the government should pay off student loans for everyone? Or do you think we should take responsibility and pay it off ourselves? I'm actually really neutral on that question. Ooh, uh, a neutral yeah. one. I'm neutral. Why? Yeah. I'm neutral because for some, they knew, like, nobody nobody tells you to get student loans. It. I used to be an assistant director of admissions at a nationwide school. So, yes, there's the idea of financial aid and then there's student loans. But I think that we all have the wherewithal 
to make a decision to go to school or not, and not just and and take ownership <laughs> around our decision making. And some people I know go to school because that's actually their career. They love going to school. It's structured. It's reliable. You you can win at it. You can feel good that you earned another degree, and then you want another degree, and then you want another degree. And so for those of the people that are in that boat, then you know what you signed up for. For others that I'll say um, they needed to get into the workforce for some reason, you know, or Mm -hmm. um, they're really wholeheartedly trying to advance themselves in some types of skill, Mm -hmm. um, then I would take a look at, you know, how can, can that be forgiven? So I'm neutral. I think it, it depends upon someone's background and are, it's again, a measure of the heart. Cause I'll have people disclose to me, you know, I just did this so that I can pull the money out to, to pay for this because you can manipulate the system in some way. Right. So that's why I'm neutral. I have, I mean, I have no problem giving and giving my, like everything I have belongs to the Lord. I've already settled that a long, long time ago. So if I get $10,000, if God lays it on my heart to bless people, I mean, I know he's going to have me give at least 1500 bucks of it away, at least 15%. And if he has me give more, like, dude, I'll give more. What I don't like is when the government tells me I have to do this. Then I'm like, no, 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 you can't take mine. You know what I mean? When it's God, it's like, you can have whatever you want, Lord. But when it's the government, I'm like, you can't take mine. So I want to ask you, if we forgive student debt, who pays for that? Is it us? Is it you? Is it me? Who Who is it? Because I really don't know. Because I hear, you know, if you watch Fox News, it's like this. If you watch CNN, it's this. But like, what's the real answer? I think if I knew the real answer, then I'd be in governmental office somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Got Just it. keeping it real. No, I'm giving you my opinion. <laughs> and my opinion is that my impression is that somehow, somewhere, way we still print more money because the federal reserve does not have enough in the reserve to even back how much money is printed out there so i think you just can get curious about that all right i have a couple more questions before i let you go um for me personally i do not have a financial coach my wife is extremely intelligent and she's like you i mean we have some debt uh, that our goal in 2021 is to pay off all of our debt except our mortgage payment. Right. Is that a good plan? Yes, absolutely. What about car payments? Get rid of them? Um, most car payments, unless they're a used car, because usually that's a higher interest rate, you know, it's pretty low. Um, and it, it depends if you're using it as a business write-off too. So okay. think about that. But it's because of the kind of loan it is, you're not really saving much money if you pay it off sooner. So I would just let the payments ride. If you want to feel the weight of not having a payment, then cool. But yeah. Okay. So if you and I were going to work together, like what does that look like? How do you help me? Because I have big dreams, but I feel like, you know, if I'm just being transparent here, I feel like for us in finances, I've made little, small victories. Mm-hmm. 
But if you talk to the 30-year-old Matt Rogers, I'm 42 now. If you talk to the 30-year-old Matt Rogers, I thought I was going to be a millionaire already, Michelle, and I'm not. So I'm kind of disappointed. If you're going to tell the 30-year-old Matt Rogers, hey, this is where you're going to be when you're 42, he probably would have been a little ticked off. 42-year-old me, like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I definitely want more. But, like, if you told the 30-year-old me, hey, this is where you're at, he'd be like, dude, you're a loser. We were supposed to do things different. So... If you're talking to the 50-year-old Matt Rogers, in the next eight years, I want to make some big strides. Like, I want, I've never made a million dollars a year. I want to make a million dollars a year. Can you help me do that? Yes, as long as you're willing to step up and roll your sleeves up like most people do that work with me and get to work. And I say yes because, hmm. There's some people that come to me and they don't have that goal. They have another goal. Um, and people that reach their goal are the ones that are committed and will stay consistent and to learn what they have to learn to be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Um, there's a saying, uh, Les Brown, and he says, you must be willing to do the things today others won't do in order to have the things tomorrow others won't have. And that quote is speaks volumes because just like you were telling me when we were sharing about um, my parents, like you've got regular friends, right? That they're just sitting on the couch, right? Yeah. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. And it's really a matter of what we do with it. So if you're willing to, to, uh, start with goal setting. I start all of my clients with goal setting. Again, a man without a vision will perish, but it's not just goal setting around. I want this house and I want this much money. It's about who you're becoming. Who do you need to be to make that million dollars? Jim Brown says, don't make it a goal to make a million dollars because of the money, but because mm -hmm. of who you'll become. Right. Sure. And so how much value you'll bring in the marketplace will be what you'll be paid. And if that's a goal of yours, and if the impact that you're wanting to make in the marketplace is big enough to make that million dollars, then yes, absolutely. You'll hit that mark. The reason I say that is because like one of my favorite movies is Tombstone. And when Wyatt Earp says, <laughs> Wyatt Earp says I'm here to make a bunch of money. And, and the guy says, I never met a, uh, I never met a rich man that didn't have a guilty conscience. And Wyatt Earp says, I already got the guilty conscience. I might as well have the money too. For me, <laughs> I feel like I already know my heart. God already knows my heart. I have no problem giving it away and becoming that. So I feel like I already have the heart to give. I might as well have the money too. Someone's got to have it. I mean, it might as well be someone that's going to give. So um, like for real, like, can you help me? And then how, like, how do you make money? Do you make money? Do I pay you off of the net growth that we make together? Or is it a flat fee every month? Like how can people like myself get with yeah. you and can you help us? Do you only take a certain clientele or if, you know, you know, I'm proud to say we're one of the fastest growing podcasts of 2021. So people are going to hear this. If they want to reach out to you, do you work with the common folk or do they have to be, you know, celebrities, CEOs? Like what's your niche? Yeah. I, I love working with all types of people from all walks of life. And, um, 
I told God, if you could just put a line in front of me of coach of clients that want to coach with me, I'd coach them all day long. And that's really what's been happening. I don't market. If you Google financial coach, Los Angeles, I happen to show up four times on the first page and people find me. And there is also, um, taken aback when I answer my own phone (laughs) and I text people back because, um, I want to be reachable. I want to be accessible. So yes, um, I like to work one-on-one. I have, um, a coach I'm, I've been grooming up. So we share the load. Um, and then I putting together a course. So if you want to just follow a self-paced type of program, you can do that as well. Um, but the main thing here is that, uh, it lights me up to coach people that want to be coached. And that's just the bottom line. How can people find you to get a shot at your time? Yeah. So you go to michelletasco.com, T-A-S-C-O-E, Michelle with two L's, michelletasco.com, and click get started and fill out a form and someone will get back to them. michelletasco.com. Again, if you need help spelling that, just look at the icon that you clicked on. We spell your name right, don't we, Eli? You don't make spelling mistakes. Not usually. Sometimes <laughs> I do on the, the, I think I did on the, zoom invite to her i think i put one l oh but, I'm looking, oh. but on on my recording here i have two l's so there you go <laughs> all right so we'll do that okay last two questions for you uh what's the best thing god ever did for you oh, oh i like you know when 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 you see at the end of the movie all of, like the moments and the pictures i just yeah. felt like a million of those hit me like hit my heart at the same time <laughs> The best um, thing that God ever did for me, honestly, saved my life. Wow. It's that. I would have been in a ditch somewhere um, with the things that I was wrapped up in in Los Angeles. So We didn't even get into the too deep. Those. I, I have know. to get a part two with you or what? We can. We can. There's you, a lot to share. I'm up for it if you are. I'm definitely up for it. Michelle Tasco part two. So there's some stuff that we didn't even go over today that. I mean, you should have ended up in a ditch somewhere. Is that true? Yeah. I'll save that for part two. (laughs) I am totally down with that. If you were going to leave our viewers, this is how we always end with one uh, bit of advice, whether it's a quote, a business tip, a life tip, something to really help them level up. What would it be? That if you don't have a plan for your life, someone else will have a plan for you. You know, the, and this is not a dig on anyone. This is facts. Most people that shy away from self-development, and whether it's business or personal, in my experience, are typically employees. They just, they're working on someone else's dream and not theirs. So I love that you said that. Say it again one more time. I'm writing that down. If you don't have a plan for your life, someone else will have a plan for you. There it is. There's a reason the Bible addresses wisdom as a she. You'll notice that as you read Proverbs. And you just felt it right there with Michelle Tasco. We love you. Thank you so much for coming on Level Up. Did you like it? I loved it. You're awesome, Matt. You are awesome. Would you encourage people to like, share, comment, share this with someone? Story is amazing. You can help people and give us a five-star rating, right? That's what they should do, shouldn't they? Absolutely. All day long. (laughs) Thank you so much. Please like, share, comment, 
Keep Level Up, one of the fastest growing podcasts of 2021. Michelle Tasco, everybody, thank you so much for coming. And thank you for listening to another week of Level Up.